ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. As you can see, we have control of the plane. Our one demand is strictly monetary. If met, you're free. We want this little operation of ours to go up without a hitch. If not, well, use your imaginations. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. My name is Mike. Joining me, as always, it's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? How are you doing? Greetings and salutations, airborne bloodsuckers. Eh, I'm doing pretty good, Mike. How you doing? Doing pretty well. Uh, process of getting No More Room in Hell, number 35, out. So uh, hopefully it'll be a twofer this week for anyone that listens to our stuff. All um, three of them? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, other than that, same old routine of life for the most part. Um, joining us as always, it's... Don, did I say as well? <laughs> but Don, how you doing? Hello, es ein Zudol, ihr Zuzain. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Did you think I'd ever forget our little ploy of uh, <laughs> greetings in the native language? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's been a while, but uh, we've been covering some uh, familiar countries, so it hasn't... Uh, I've been appropriate to bust out our old greetings, but uh, yes, that was German for hello. It's great to be here. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I'm no German language scholar, but it was good enough to fool me, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Mrs. Venom uh, would have understood you. Ah, <laughs> uh, cool. All right, well. Um, I'm not sure how well that'll tip people off as to what the movie is tonight, but what it isn't is <laughs> what we thought it might have been at the last episode. That's right. We did officially switch out the Green Knight only because it really was not horror at all. And that doesn't speak direction and its quality or how much anyone in particular enjoyed it or not. Just it was definitely not horror. So trying to stick to our theme of doing horror movies as much as possible. You know, it's a big umbrella, but some movies just can't really, you know, fit under it. There's so, only so much space, yeah. <laughs> yeah, almost stretching or twisting of the definition that you can do. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll probably find a way to work it into something, one of the shows, just so I can talk about it a little bit, but... Um, but there was no shortage of movies to switch it out with, and so we went with a Netflix film called Blood Red Sky, and, and let's see, the synopsis for that is, a woman with a mysterious illness is forced into action when a group of terrorists attempt to hijack a transatlantic overnight flight. I'm actually okay with that synopsis, because it really... Other than it taking place on a plane and there's hijacking, it doesn't even really give away too much. Now, as soon as you click onto it on Netflix, it, <laughs> when you get that little autoplay preview, I think there's an option to shut those off. But if you have it on, they don't pretty much give away like what's going on. But uh, we will get right into the movie with general thoughts. Venom, what did you think of Blood Red Sky? 
this was an interesting movie. It started, um, it starts as a it's just a straightforward hijack movie but the problem is i the, the issue is is that i don't have a problem with that like i was really really for the first like half hour where it's solidly just a hijack movie i was really into it like i liked i liked our terrorists you know um i liked that they used a racial stereotype to try to cover up their their real reasoning behind the hijacking which you know we'll get into in the spoiler section but uh so that part was uh like i said really enjoyed now not to say that not to take anything away from the horror aspect of this film um but it's it's one of the first times that we've ever watched an action horror film where i was actually mildly disappointed when we went back to the horror um especially because even without reading a synopsis or watching a trailer you pretty much know what's going on within like 10 15 minutes of the start of this film um it's fairly obvious that you know um nadia the uh, the mom in this movie has you know, one of two afflictions. She either has cancer or she has what she actually has, which I guess we'll save for the uh, uh, spoiler section. On the off chance that anyone hasn't watched the trailer or read a different synopsis, I think the um, the Rotten Tomatoes synopsis actually does mention her affliction, which is kind of shitty, but whatever. Um, overall, I thought the action was all really well, uh, really well put together. I thought the performances were really good, um, especially our young boy, Elias, um, despite him being dubbed, I thought, um, his performance was really, really great. Obviously Lord knows how long he's lived with his mom in this condition. So it's kind of toughened him up and it was very obvious in the film. Um, there is one performance that I am going to poo poo, uh, one of the terrorists, um, you know, the stereotypical psycho of the bunch in this movie, his name is eight ball. I hated that actor. I just thought he did a terrible job and it's not, it's not that I hated the character because obviously the character is supposed to be hateable. He's like the crazy unhinged terrorist, if you will. It's just his performance I thought was terrible. Like, I, it felt like he was trying way too hard to be crazy, if that makes sense. It's kind of it's kind of the difference between Jared Leto and um, Heath Ledger playing the Joker. With Heath Ledger, the insanity felt natural. It felt organic. With Jared Leto, it felt forced. You know, it, it, at no point did he come off as a crazy man. So, um, and, and that's kind of how I feel about this character, Eight Ball. But I, you know, I'm sure the other guys will have some opinions about him as well, whether they liked him or loved him. We'll see. Um, overall, like I said, it's a fun movie. It is over two hours, so it's one of those things where you might, um, especially for a actiony vampire movie, that seems two hours is a little much. Um, now, I'm not saying that as I was watching it, I was bored or thought that scenes dragged on. I actually thought the pacing was pretty good. I did feel that some of the violent, gory scenes got repetitive towards the end because, you know, how much can you do with this? Um, you know, type of creature inside of an airplane, you know, it's and as I'm watching the film, I'm thinking, oh, this has elements of train to Busan in the sense of, you know, we're seeing zombies in a different setting than we normally see them in. And it's the same thing as what we're doing here, except, of course, it's not a zombie film. I have no idea why I'm not saying what kind of film it is. I don't know. Uh, anybody who's seen the trailer knows what it is. Hell, if you've seen the damn movie poster, you know what it is. But on the off chance that there's people like me out there who don't watch trailers or read synopses, I'm going to hold off on it. But overall, a uh, really fun movie, nice and gory, some good kills, um, a really good premise on paper. Um, I just thought it got a little heavy-handed with its kind of just 
killing. I mean, obviously, you know, once you once the shit hits the fan, quote unquote, um, it's fairly obvious what's going to happen, especially since the plane is still up in the air. So um, so the ending is kind of especially because they kind of telegraph it a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, ultimately, it's still a very satisfying ending, whether you see it coming or not. So I'm I'm going to say that this gets a high recommend from me. I think vampire fans and genre fans in general should have a really good time with this one. I would just say look out for some spotty performances here and there and be aware of that runtime. But overall, recommend. All right. Uh, let's go to Dawn. What did you think of Blood Red Sky? I'm pretty close to Venom. I had a lot of fun with this. Um, I do agree. I like the action, the action-y hijack section um, kind of reminds me a lot of uh, Passenger 57, the Die Hard on the Plane version. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, um, I had a lot of fun with that. Um, you know, again, I don't mind a lot of the switchovers between action and horror, you know, being that I was more of an action fan growing up than horror. That stuff all appealed to me. Um, I do want to say that I was kind of disappointed slightly with um, one thing in that he didn't feel that there was stuff that needed to be trimmed out. And for me, I found one area of the film that was repeated several times to be the obvious thing to cut, um, because he is correct again. The runtime does kind of make this a bit of a chore to watch. Not necessarily a chore, but it's so much more of a uh, hesitation. Kind of like with um, Army of the Dead earlier this year, where, yeah, it doesn't necessarily really stand it doesn't necessarily drag the film down but it is one of those do i really want to invest my time my two hours with this when there's something else that i would rather watch that's 90 minutes but overall yeah i I have a lot of fun with it um you know i do like a lot of the characters in this um i do have one other small factor beyond the um time cutting ploy that he mentioned that um i can probably talk about a little bit more uh Lots of great gore, lots of fantastic vampire makeup. Um, yeah, I have a lot of fun with this. Um, potential fringe top ten, depending on what comes out later on in the year. But yeah, definitely a recommend, uh, especially for those that uh, enjoy the more vicious side of uh, whatever they're dealing with here. Again, I'll uh, defer to spoilers <laughs> for that, but I'll uh, defer to spoilers for that one. But um, if you're a fan of the more brutal side of uh, whatever these uh, whatever is afflicting the whatever is the affliction in this case, uh, definitely recommend here. All right, cool. So as far as I go, yeah, this looks like we're three for three. Enjoyed this one a lot. Knew next to nothing going into it. Of course, you know once you click onto it on Netflix, you kind of get an idea right off the bat what it's going to be about without reading a synopsis or anything. Not really a problem. Um, to echo Dawn's uh, comparison, I was thinking it's like a mix of uh, Passenger 57 and From Dust Till Dawn. I was going <laughs> to save that. I was going to save that for spoilers, but then we kind of got into the fact that it's vampires so i was like all right i don't i I don't need to save it for spoilers anymore but you know and like venom kind of alluded to as well you know you get your setup without really the vampire involvement um where it looks like we're going to set up as just a standard hijack movie and uh it 
kind of goes from there and we get why uh, the vampire character does what it does when it does uh, all makes sense. Um, something that I like about movies are the good ones that take place in airplanes is they always kind of find a way to make the space of an airplane a lot bigger than you would think. Because in theory, when you're just thinking, okay, entire movie or 99% of the movie on an airplane, how are they going to do this with, you know, such compacted space, not much room to move around? How much can you really do? But the, the way they're able to like really explore, you know, different um, areas of the plane, just to give it that bigger feeling than what you would think of um, on an airplane. I thought that was pretty well done. Um, I, I like the villains for the most part in this, you know, uh, obviously it's it's somewhat of a trope where you have your group of villains where everyone has a different personality. Everyone's willing to kind of go to different lengths to achieve the objective. There's always like the one that's looked at as crazier than the normal crazy, I guess you would call it. And, you know, we have that here as Venom alluded to. Uh, I, I do like where they go with that, though, kind of in the what towards the end of the second act, third act, uh, what that kind of turns into and how everything kind of builds towards just vampire craziness. Um, and I, I got to say, I, I, I don't know if this is what Don's alluding to when he talks about stuff that could get trimmed or character involvement. But I, I do. I was kind of surprised that we do get a little uh, more backstory on one of the characters than I thought to kind of like set up um, their past. So, you know, I, I'm, I don't want to get too much into it since we're not in spoilers yet, but I, I was kind of surprised because the way the movie's set up, you don't think that, you know, any of that kind of thing is going to happen for a movie like this where we're actually learning a little bit of, you know, character. But the kind, not, uh, I'll say it's not that there's character development that surprised me. It's like the type of a little in-depth character development. And I don't even know if it was necessarily necessary for a movie like this, but we still got it. I, I still found it interesting and kind of showed like motivation for that character and like their struggle through um, the movie. Um, found that kind of be an interesting choice for a movie such as this. Um, what else? I, I, you know, I, I thought the ending was pretty good, how they had to end things. Mm, what else? Yeah. T uh, two hours. It, it is kind of a long running time for kind of like an action horror movie, but I, I never really felt bored Maybe I at, at a certain point I felt like they were extending it out a little bit, but not too much. You know, I, I could say ten fifteen minutes, shave it off, but it wasn't um, it wasn't something I overly was concerned with watching it. Uh, what else do I got? Um, I mean, I think for general thoughts, that's it. I would say highly recommend it. It's on Netflix. You know, the number one on streaming platform still. I think. Um, so it's it's out there readily available. If you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend checking it out. Uh, this uh, I don't. I'm trying to think. I want to say it's hmm, at this point I could see it sneaking into maybe the the lower the lower as in being actually the upper, just depending on how you see it <laughs> of a list. But I mean, we're still only just barely getting into august there's a lot more movies to be seen so i don't know i could see maybe being an honorable mention though 
uh, just to play it on the safe side. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, like we'll, we'll see. Yeah. yeah like, like I mean, honorable mention like, to like 10. Well, I was going to say like honorable mention to maybe like a 10 or a, like a nine or a 10 spot. Like that. Yeah. Because there's always that movie that like sneaks like, on there. Yeah, yeah. There's always kind of that that one or two movies that have the the potential to sneak on the list when maybe with, at the time uh, you see it I mean, you don't it, expect I mean, it to. I mean, the thing is, is that it sounds like you and I, I, I think you're right on with where we are because I think you and I have the same issues with it, and I think those are going to probably keep it from being higher up because we have less issues or less detrimental issues with other films that are that have been released already so i'm already kind of like it's fringe at best but like you know honorable mention like if you're doing top 15 like between 12 and 9 like that would probably be where it would place if you're doing like a list hmm. like somewhere in there like top 10 honorable mention if you're doing top 15 like 12 or 11 like just outside yeah, you guys uh, are, are obviously way higher on it than I am. I mean, as much as I like the movie and it was a fun time, it's not in my top 15 at this moment. So I can't imagine on second watch or third watch, actually, that it's going to be that much higher. I, I mean, I don't know if I I mean, I know Don watches a lot of movies, too. I, I think I watch yeah. more movies than Mike, but um, I don't know. Like I said, it's a very, very fun movie, but for me, there are still some flaws here and there in the writing and performances, a little bit in the storytelling, not much really. Um, obviously, we'll be able to get into more details in the, uh, the second half, but um, one thing I did want to praise this movie for right now before we get into spoilers is thank you, thank you, thank you for not doing that um, potential sequel stinger at the end. You know what I mean? I this is the type of movie an action packed um horror film with a lot of gore where you're where I would almost expect to get that stinger at the end of oh look one of them survived or or a hand pops out from airplane rubble or something stupid so kudos to these filmmakers to give uh for giving me a definitive ending and and the thing is is ultimately you can still do a sequel it's not like it has to be the same you know antagonist um, it could still be, you know, it's obviously going to be more widespread. Well, I don't really than know people on this plane. You would... mm-hmm. What's that? Go ahead. Well, I don't really know. I was going to say, I don't like really know where a sequel would go. I mean, unless you have like another, uh, unless you like move it to a new location or something like she survives and she's in like the treatment center and then it goes from there. But I don't think she survived. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd like well, to think what I'm saying is that her. for something like this is that, you know, she survives, you know, like they right. save her because she stopped the terrorist hijacking. I'm, not, I'm saying like, you know, wipe away the ending, like, you know, the, you know, the plane lands, they thank her for keeping everybody alive. And then, you know, they take her to the medical facility to get treatment. And, and then it starts all over again, like. Something like that, but I mean, I don't really know like where you would take well, when the I say people, I don't mean these characters either. I, I, in my opinion, these characters are 100% dead. The ending is definitive. Absolutely, yeah. I, I rewatched it multiple times to make sure I saw what I saw. So I'm, I'm convinced these are these are dead. But obviously, because one of the flashbacks when our uh, protagonist has one of her flashbacks um, showing how everything happened, she meets someone who tells her that it's more widespread, that there are more. So that that's what I mean by a sequel. Like, why not do it in a submarine and call the sequel Blood Red Sea? Ha ha. Am I a fucking genius or what? <laughs> yeah, on a cruise ship. 
There you go. Cruise ship, fucking. Um, I like submarine though because they're more trapped. <laughs> in a in a in a cruise ship, you could swim away. Granted, you're in the middle of the ocean, so where the fuck are you going to swim? But still. Blood red space. <laughs> oh no, blood red space would have to be at least part four or five. You can't go to space yeah. in the first in the opening trilogy. Never go to space. <laughs> yeah. Blood red hood. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> You had to pick the one thing that ruins every goddamn horror franchise. <laughs> and leave it, to me, uh, yeah. leave it to me, of course. I actually like the Two Hood sequels. Oh, I like. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say they're terrible movies by any stretch. But I always feel like that's one of those jump the shark moments when a horror franchise either goes to space or to the hood. Yep. <laughs> that's, yeah, that, that that's nuking the fridge right there, buddy. <laughs> but no yeah i mean blood red sky like i said i, I had a good time with it i'm obviously going to get into my um the uh, problems i had with it which are few and far between definitely uh but ultimately yeah that runtime it's just too unnecessary we didn't need as many flashbacks as we got flashbacks within a flashback which is usually something that infuriates me and it happened what like four or five times in this movie <laughs> mm. that's uh that's that's a little meta you know, that's that's Inception shit right there. But, you know, it's not like you're confused or, you know, you don't understand what you're watching. No, it's just after a while you start to, you know, what the hell? How many more flashbacks in a flashback am I going to get? But eh, it's a it's a minor gripe. And it, honestly, while you're watching it, it's not a big deal at all because the flashbacks within a flashback are really cool. Like the origin flashbacks of how every, all of this came to be. I was I was actually those are some of my favorite scenes in the film, obviously. Uh Kind of. So, yeah, yeah. Um, fun movie, good movie. I have issues with it. <laughs> well, well, that's kind of a good segue to get into spoilers so we can find out those issues. There you go. <laughs> so, where do we start? I guess we could just start out with just real quick. Obviously, at this point, everyone's figured out that, you know, um, our protagonist, our main protagonist is a vampire um, trying to hide her affliction from uh, the general public. Her son seems to be uh, obviously very aware of it at the start of the movie. I did like um, how they kind of set it up to make her look like she has cancer because she doesn't have any hair. She didn't have any uh, eyebrows. Um, and they show her putting a wig on at the beginning of the near the beginning of the film. And then when she gets on the plane, suddenly she's got eyebrows. So obviously she penciled them in or whatever. Um, but yeah, I thought they did a really good job that, you know, they got a, a really good actress who was really, really thin and pale. So, um, you know, good casting all around. And I, I just thought it was a good setup. You know, like I said, since I don't read synopses or watch trailers or, and, and I try as hard as I can not to look at posters, if I, you know, like I said, if I can, um, I thought the movie did a pretty good job. If you're like, you know, one of the very, very few who had no idea what this movie was about going in. Um, so, yeah, kudos there. And then, um, you know, obviously, once they get on the plane, everything kind of goes to shit pretty quick. You don't have to wait that long. The movie actually opens with the end of the film, kind of, sort of. Like, uh, the movie actually opens with the plane landing, and we see a Muslim named Farid um, at the uh, kind of he lands the plane with help from the uh, the control tower. But then, you know, all the military that show up seems to be, you know, seems to be of the belief that Farid is the hijacker. Later in the film, we'll find out why they think that. But um, again, 
Uh, I thought it was a pretty nice setup. It's, it's obviously very tense. No one's leaving the plane, obviously. It is a hostage standoff, except for one child, one little boy who turns out to be our our kid, Elias, that we follow throughout the film. is actually. It looks like he's allowed to get out of the plane through the cargo hold using a parachute as a kind of a makeshift ladder. And then basically the the rest of the movie goes from there and it's Elias's basically flashback, like him telling the story to the police and to the military of what actually happened. And then to kind of the body of this thing. But um, I don't know. Where do we start? What you, would you guys think of the vampire design? Well, I praised it in my section because I said mm-hmm. it was great. I mean, I loved the... Uh, I love the way she looks. Um, I even love the way that the other vampires in the film look. Yeah, I like um, I mean, yeah, we're not. I mean, we're in the spoiler section, so it's not necessarily that much of a shock that you know the other the, some of the other terrorists end up becoming vampires, and I, I think they look just as good. Yes, yes. I was kind of surprised how quickly they turned into vampires. Obviously, vampire lore changes from film to film, but yeah, this was almost like a zombie virus. Like they get bit, yeah. they die, they get up. So I was like, well, that's that's impressive. And obviously, you know, the, uh, the increased strength and stamina and agility that they show when they're and obviously they're already military. I mean, these guys are already military trained. So now you've got military trained fucking uh, vampires. So, yeah, it definitely ups the uh, kind of the tension of the whole thing. Obviously, they're on a plane, you know, 30,000 feet up. So yeah, I were you guys surprised how long it took for a window to get shot out? I mean, they had to have fired dozens of bullets before a window actually got hit. And and it actually ends up getting hit by the kid of all people. <laughs> I just, I, I don't understand um, hijackers with, you know, coming on to a plane to hijack it with high powered handguns. You know what I mean? You'd think they'd all have like Derringers or, you know, little 22s. A, they're easier to hide. B, you don't have to worry about them cracking the fuselage. You know what I mean? Or a window or whatever else. So, yeah, yeah. I, you see these guys with Desert Eagles on a plane. A fucking Desert Eagle can go through two people and the wall behind them. <laughs> but, you know, I guess we're not supposed to know that, technically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as far as I go, I thought the vampire design was really cool. It, It's kind of like they're they're more vicious looking they're not quite as ghoulish looking as something like 30 days a night but it makes sense because in the context of this where you actually need them somewhat communicating like they're still in the process of hijacking a plane sort of (laughs) they they're not totally ghoul but they're they definitely have that vicious mean look you know there's no uh mm-hmm. romantic draculas trying to seduce people <laughs> no sparkly vampires oh. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. but yeah yeah i mean uh and then uh what are we going what am i looking for here this kid god damn it i wanted to be on elias's side so much did it bother anybody else that he dis that he uh like didn't listen to his mother at every possible turn like every time his mother gave him an instruction, he would do the fucking opposite, and it yeah, almost that's... always made the situation worse. <laughs> yeah, that was the, one of the, the that was one of the things that I was going to talk about was that I absolutely I wanted him dead, and then I remember yeah. he's the one that's supposed to be telling the story, and is like, God damn it, I'm not going to exactly. get my wish. <laughs> you know, he's not going to die on the plane. 
Yeah. Oh man. But yeah, I I mean his performance. I, I still want to you know want to make sure that I'm being clear. His performance was really well done. It's just the choices that the filmmakers had him make throughout the film were just very head scratching. I mean, literally, he's sitting in his seat. The, the hijackers have everybody's hands on the seat in front of them w while everybody's looking down. So their heads are down looking to the floor. And literally, mom is right there with a terrorist holding a gun to her head. And the kid doesn't want to listen. And eventually, and when I say eventually, I mean within 30 seconds, he fucking gets up and runs up the aisle. Which prompts, promptly gets his mother shot, which, again... Since I didn't watch the trailer and I knew very little about what was going on, it was actually a pretty intense moment for me. I'm like, holy shit, did we just lose our protagonist that quickly? I mean, because it was literally like maybe the 20 minute, 15, 20 minute mark of the film and she gets shot three or four times. She falls over. The boy acts like she's dead, too, which that's another thing that I question. Well, it obviously well, that was the thing. That was the, that was mm -hmm. the big thing that I was going to question, because it seems to go back and forth between him knowing she's a vampire to him not knowing because it seems like once the reveal happens he's cool with it but then he would be like well if she's a vampire i know that that's not going to kill her and sure. he's too much in shock to realize that you know i can't just you know play the fool and say oh my god she shot what did you do sure you monsters knowing that she's going to you know actually still be alive so it's kind of like weird where it just seemed like he was being portrayed how the how they needed the film to be in order to progress the plot. Yes, I absolutely agree. Yeah, it, was, it, mm -hmm. it just seemed like he was never really consistent. Like, nope. like I said, he, half the time he seems to act like, you know, it's no big deal that my mom's a vampire I've known for years versus, only holy crap, my mom's a vampire. <laughs> well, I thought even with his level of intelligence in general, like he was the one who actually found like where the uh, tunnel, you know, he was looking at the blueprints there or not really the blueprints, but the little schematic of the plane that everybody gets in the, uh, you know, the, the panel in front of him. He's looking at it. He figures out that there's a tunnel leading from the cockpit um, that could potentially lead out of the plane. He's also the one who figures out where the gas tank on the plane is. It's like this kid is equal parts genius and idiot. It's just depending on what the filmmakers need him to do to advance the plot. And th that does come off as a little uneven at times, you know? It's like you want to praise the kid because he's so brave and smart, but then five minutes later he does something completely idiotic. So it's kind of it's yeah. kind of a weird hot and cold situation. And it's one of those where you can't really write it off as him being the storyteller trying to make himself look good because he's scared shitless at the end of the. Yeah. I mean, he's scared shitless anyway. So it's not like, you know, you can say that he's trying to do this to make himself look good. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, that was like the one big thing with the film that really woke that really got me was the way he acted with that. Yeah. It was a little uneven. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but yeah, inconsistent, I guess, is the best way to put it. Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I agree with that. The kid, he did himself no favors in this movie. And he decided, I guess, he's just going to defy his mom at every turn, and it usually turned out for the worse in each yeah. situation. Yeah. So at this point, obviously, you know, we get the reveal after mom is shot. We get the reveal of her... Well, first we get a flashback uh, going back to a night when her and her husband um, were traveling late at night on the road. I guess I guess Elias was just a baby, maybe a newborn at the time. We see Nadia 
um, you know, carrying around this child. As it turns out, uh, the husband, they break down. The husband goes and looks for, you know, some help. He doesn't return to the car after a while. So Nadia goes looking for him. She finds an old farmhouse, um, you know, yelling her husband's name the entire time. Eventually, she goes into the farmhouse and finds her husband dead on the floor. Uh, at that moment, as she's finding her husband, she is then attacked by something, uh, obviously some kind of feral human. I, I'm, I, at this point, I think it's barely yet. Well, no, at this point, it's not obvious that it's vampires yet because she just got shot at this point. So, like I said, unless you saw the trailer. Um, but, yeah, I thought that I, I thought it was a really cool little reveal how we're in the middle of the flashback. Then she... Um, kills the attacker, the person who uh, attacks her. And then she looks down at her hand and realizes that her hand is bitten. And then at that exact moment, we fade back into the airplane scene and it, and it's her waking up. So I thought that was edited together really nicely. Um, like I said, again, if you were in the dark about the uh, basic storyline here, it, it, a lot of the reveals in this movie really hinge on how familiar you are with the story before you go into it. And, you know, like I said, th these are the scenarios where I'm glad I don't watch trailers. Um, obviously, it kind of it usually leaves me outside of uh, the community because most people love trailers. I mean, you know, my my Facebook feed was filled with Halloween kills trailer reactions when that fucking thing came out. I feel like I did see the trailer, even though I've yet to watch it. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, back to Blood Red Sky. Um I liked how um, when she first realized what she does, they did the fresh meat blood drinking again that we saw in Jacob's Wife. I thought that was pretty cool because in a lot of vampire movies, we'll see people who are recently turned and don't understand what's going on, you know, attack a random animal or accidentally attack a person or whatever. But this is two vampire movies now in a row from 2021 that um, kind of show a more obvious thing, you know, like – because you obviously have to test it. You can't just assume, oh, I want blood now without ever tasting it. So I just, for whatever it's worth, it's a little throwaway scene that anybody, that most people probably barely notice. But I appreciate that kind of stuff because it feels organic. That feels real. You know, she's terrified of what she may have become, but she doesn't want to go around just starting to, to kill animals and shit. So she'll buy a nice bloody steak at the store and she figures it out on her own. So, yeah. Or whatever it's where and and ultimately she has to figure everything out on her own because as i said her husband is dead uh she kills her attacker um they don't make mention of any other attackers any other vampires on that particular evening um so yeah like i said we're back to the plane and she is now solidly a vampire which it's kind of cool when we see when she first wakes up and she takes off the wig and then she takes off her contact lenses which, you know, she early in the movie, she was hiding her eyes for some reason that we don't know. But then here we see her take the contacts out and she's got the yellow vampire eyes. That was fucking cool. This is, these are the kind of vampires I like. Not the ones that can necessarily, like, transform or shapeshift, but the ones who kind of become more animalistic based on their hunger. You know, the hungrier they are, the, the more fucked up they look. So, yeah, kudos there. Um, so, yeah, I'll agree with Mike and Don on that. Great vampire design, vaguely bat-like. Very cool. Ah, oh, what else we got, boys? I feel like I'm hogging the conversation. Well, <laughs> no. Uh, uh, 
Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I, I kind of did appreciate, like, well, I'll say I was, like, surprised we did get, like, um, the character development with the mom, like you were mentioning. Um, it was kind of like her conflict, like, when she was turned, and it's kind of that struggle, like, well, I have a young son, single mom, um, like, I have two choices, I could just, like, fully embrace this. <laughs> and go off and be a vampire and do vampire things, or I can try to contain it and raise my son still. And you can see the real conflict there. Now I, it's kind of, I'm kind of conflicted because on one hand, uh, the character buildings guess a good thing, but on this, on the other hand, it's like, what, like, are we getting that because we're, they're convincing us of the mother's love for her son? Cause I think we would have got well, we would have thought that regardless like we know yeah. the mom's going to want to protect her son it it seemed kind of an odd choice there's nothing like bad about those flashbacks I just question whether it was needed in this kind of like you know acne horror movie like do we even need that that kind of thing necessary um I don't know I, I, something I was thinking about during those The main thing for me and this is the one issue that I was actually going to bring up before Mike started in, where would the kid have known that these had taken place? Because he's not there for any of these. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's telling flashbacks from when he was an infant. Yeah. I mean, unless his mom told him the story, but considering how much mom is not necessarily hiding, but at least trying to be as human as possible, I can't imagine she's just sitting around one day going, Elias, let me tell you about the night your dad died and I turned into a vampire. Yeah, yeah. like... <laughs> Like, that's always the main thing for me when people are doing stuff like this and you get, like, flashbacks within flashbacks and, like, mm -hmm. a storyline like this, is that they're retelling knowledge that they would have no knowledge. Like, he would, he was, you know, he's barely alive. You know, he's crying in the corner the entire time because he's, you know, all the action going on around him because his mom is, she's literally, like, maybe, what, eight, nine months at, at most? Yeah. Like, he's still, like, a crawling infant, so he's not mm -hmm. going to be completely aware of what's going on he's just going to hear all the noises the rustling you know mom running around all over the place he's not going to know what's going on and i doubt the fact that she tell him what happened so him telling the story telling the story of like the, the hijacking and then stopping to tell the story of how his mom felt was conflicted when she became a vampire it just really stands out as stuff that to me he mm -hmm. would have no knowledge of that you know why would she, why would he know what she was thinking of when she got killed because even still he's not even there to know you know the fact that she got shot and survived because he's taken away and the doors closed that's yeah. uh, that's probably just the filmmakers hoping that we forgot that it's elias telling us the story yeah <laughs> i mean you know i'm not gonna fault them too much i am still gonna fault them because i mean ultimately you're right if you're if you're thinking about this movie logically which again we're talking about vampires on a plane, so how much logic can I interject here? But you're 100% right. It's, you know, for people like us that kind of, you know, have to look at the movies like this with a fine-tooth comb, yeah, it's kind of, it is glaring and kind of annoying after a while. But it's just, again, it's one of those things, I, I you know, I, I just try not to think about it as it's happening, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Mike, uh were you done with your uh, flashback rants? Because I was loving it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I just felt like those were 
it was kind of a good idea for character development. It just felt like that maybe belongs in a different movie with a different tone because yeah. I was like, where, where is this building towards as far as the context of the movie? Cause when it comes to a mother's love for her son, I mean, for the most part, we, we already know that's there. We already know she, just the fact that she's a vampire trying to live normal when she can, that that conflict is already there. I, I think we already got that period just by what we were seeing in present time. Um, that's valid. So, yeah. I mean, I, so like I said, it's, it's not bad. It's, it, it added to her character. I just don't know how much it, I don't know how much different we would have thought about the movie either way. Had those flashbacks not been there. I agree with you. And I disagree with you. I think some of the flashbacks, I agree with you in the sense that none of the flashbacks were absolutely necessary. Cause you're right. We would get the gist of the story by just watching what was going on on the plane. Obviously, you know, everything that happened before they even got on the plane shows us how much she cares about Elias. Um, but I'm going to disagree in the sense that I in really, really enjoyed some of those flashbacks. The one that we just talked about, I really liked that one, but that's the only one I think we needed. Cause then um, we get another flashback later in the film where she goes back to that farmhouse, uh, I guess months or, you know, weeks or months after the initial attack. And she goes back and she basically finds another gentleman who's walking with crutches and, but he recognizes her instantly. And he, and he, and he says, you killed my boy. And she said, well, he bit me. And, and I, I, I don't remember the, the total gist of the conversation, but the basic point was that the guy was very aware that she was a vampire instantly. And it was probably because he himself was a vampire. Unfortunately, he was so old and injured that he wasn't exactly like a high flying action packed vampire, though he did still have a couple of weapons with him, which gave uh, our, our protagonist a little bit of trouble. I think the only reason that we get that entire flashback was just to see the origin of the serum. Cause there's multiple times throughout the film where she's injecting herself with some kind of something. We don't know what, um, probably adrenaline because I mean, if you notice she's injecting it directly into her heart and that's usually where you would inject adrenaline. I'm not sure if there's other, other medications that you inject directly into your heart, but, um, like I said, yeah, it, that entire flashback just to show us the origin of the serum was pointless because I didn't even need to know what that serum was, honestly. That would have been a minor question if they would have skipped that entire flashback. Ultimately, I would have just put it down as, you know, vampire anti-venom, whatever, <laughs> you know, I don't need an explanation of that. But so, like I said, I agree and disagree at the same time with Mike, because I really did enjoy some of the flashbacks, but I thought all of them were unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, I think the main um, context I got out of it where it kind of related to what was going on in the present time was probably like, you know, when she was put in a situation of crisis and her back was against the wall as far as protecting her son and just the plane itself, because obviously they're going to die if they don't get the situation under control. It was kind of her conflict of like, when do I kind of let this evil vampire come out and what are the consequences? And I also, I also did appreciate the fact that you know, when she goes full vampire rage on um, the hijackers and stuff, there are consequences to her going that route because obviously 
not everyone's finished off all the way and you know here comes other people turning and once the bad <laughs> people start turning it's like now you've made the problem even worse <laughs> because now you have your equals on the other side and that's not gonna uh, turn out well and then of course you have the super crazy guy that's uh, like oh let me use bad. this to my advantage <laughs> which <laughs> was very obvious and, and i do agree with you mike too with what you said earlier about once he is actually turned, then he's actually somewhat of a likable character. And when I say likable, I don't, I don't necessarily mean that I was rooting for him in any way. I'm just saying once he turned, he, the, the craziness kind of matched the charisma after he became a vampire. Whereas before he was a vampire, he just, like I said, he just felt like a douchebag who was trying way too hard to come off as crazy. You know what I mean? Um, but there were times uh, before he turned where I did like his performances, where it was more subtle, like like the scene actually where he actually shoots uh, Nadia. I actually thought that was legit crazy because he wasn't he wasn't talking the entire time. He was just staring at her, pointing. You could see the gears turning in his head, and you could see the moment where he's just like fuck it and pulls the trigger three times. You know, um, that scene I thought he did a really good job. It's just the scenes where he's overtly trying to be over the top felt mm -hmm. forced. That's it. it just felt forced. But yes, it's totally like he was trying his best yeah. to be a Klaus Kinski kind of a person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he was going for Klaus Kinski, but he really should have gone for um, uh, what do you call it, Hans Gruber. <laughs> just be more subdued, you know? You can still be a maniac without jumping around and yelling and saying silly things, you know what I mean? Being maniacal isn't about the shit you say, it's more about the shit you do. Um, and like I said, it just felt kind of forced with him. No big deal, though. Ultimately, all in all, it was still an okay performance. I don't want to really take anything away from the actor. I just, like I said, I just thought the craziness was a little forced. Yeah. I also <laughs> found it kind of interesting that even like our main uh antagonist in this he really wasn't like the highlight of the movie either like they never they never kind of forced him into like a john mcclain type i'm the main guy role it was still largely based around the mom and her son right, even though yeah. they obviously made the one passenger uh i think it's farid looking farid, at him maybe yep. farid yeah he was obviously the you know the actor or the character in the story picked out to be kind of like the quote-unquote hero, but it really didn't shift focus to him fully. He was there the whole time, and when he needed to, you know, dip into the story mm -hmm. to help, he was kind of there to aid um, the mom and the son, but really it, it focused on the mom and the son the whole time, and I think that, yeah. that was probably the right decision. And I think the best the best way to compliment that is the fact that you forget he's the one that's actually in the plane at the, at the, end, at the beginning of the movie. Oh yeah, the mm -hmm. stewardess, the gay stewardess. <laughs> yeah, I actually forget that he was the one that he's the one that you see landing the plane. So him being in action, you kind of forget all that. Because I was like, oh crap, that's right, he's the one that lands the plane. Because then it goes back into him right. landing the. Because you, you, at the end, you see them when they're about ready to, you know, when they're about ready to shift out of the flashbacks and they're ready to go to the present day, you realize he's the one in the cockpit that takes control. Right. Cuz yeah, you know, you're right. Mm -hmm. It's the other steward, it's the other steward that's the one that takes the plane for the majority of the film. And then when he gets wiped out, it's the it's Fareed. He's the one that takes the plane, so Yeah. Absolutely. Back to Mike's point though about the like the 
I don't know if Mike was trying to make a point about the uh, kind of the, the head terrorist, but the head terrorist was kind of a waste. Like, first of all, he looked like Vin Diesel and um, who is it? Uh, Vin Diesel and The Rock had a baby. <laughs> I thought he kind of looked like Vin no, Diesel. No, Dave Batista. I'm on. sorry. Yes. Vin <laughs> Diesel and Dave Batista had a baby. That's the one. I instantly, I'm looking at because the first thing I said was, oh, discount Dave Batista. But then he started talking, and I'm like, oh, it's Vin Diesel. Uh, well, what are the other? I mean, he wasn't bad. Don't get me wrong. I just think he was wasted. Like, he didn't really get to do much. He doesn't even last well, long. Yeah. It, looks like there was a, there, it looks like there was a conflict in the story whether they wanted him to be the main terrorist or the crazy crazy one that ultimately ends up turning himself because there was definitely like the i mean you get this in other action movies where there's kind of like a difference in philosophy between you know i guess the code of ethics between terrorists if you will like a, okay i'm gonna pick a kid passenger because i'm the super crazy guy and oh, yeah. The other, the other guy that he's still maniacal, but he's like, what the fuck are you doing <laughs> picking a kid passenger? Yeah. Which is funny because in the end, it's like, well, does it really matter if they're all going to end up dead <laughs> anyway? Right. But, um, I found it funny that um, that can that, that we never got – like considering the amount of animosity between the terrorists themselves, like within their group, I was surprised we didn't get like a vampire on vampire fight. Like – like that's I, that's like an hour into the film. That's what I was expecting. I was expecting uh, Vin Batista to to turn into a vampire, and then him and Eight Ball were gonna fight as vampires. I, I mean, it, maybe it's a little you know guilty pleasure ish, but yeah, I, I would have enjoyed seeing it. Ultimately, obviously, Nadia is the one who has to you know kind of be the hero and take care of these folks, and you know I have no problem with that. But you know, if, if you're gonna give me a two hour vampire movie. Uh, yeah, throw a few more things in there because the third act, like I said, as enjoyable as the third act is, it almost gets numbing because it's just, you know, vampire kill, vampire kill, vampire kill. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Once the shit hits the fan, once the, once the, probably, once the uh, terrorists uh, go upstairs, uh, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I was assuming they probably exhausted like the story aspect and they're like, <laughs> all right, it's time to fill this movie out with some carnage. <laughs> right, right. But man. Um, see, we, we lose a flashback or two and you could have given me a vampire on vampire fight. I mean, a evil mm -hmm. versus good vampire fight. Not, you know, I mean, granted we get eight ball versus Nadia, which is a great hand to hand fight. Don't get me wrong, but I would have loved to have seen, cause obviously eight ball would have to win if, if they got into a fight with, if it was eight ball and whoever the, you know, Vin Batista, if they got into a fight, obviously eight ball has to win because Nadia and eight ball are going to be the ultimate confrontation at the end. But I don't know. I guess it's just me. I, I, you know, considering how much story and hijack stuff in here, I, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more vampire stuff, but you know, ultimately, or should I say a little bit different, more different vampire stuff, you know, not the same, just kill after kill after kill after kill, which I can't believe I'm sitting here complaining about that as a horror fan. But like I said, when you get so much of it, you tend to get numb to it. And the, the movie starts to lose a little bit of its power. So um, not to take too much away from the film for that. It's a minor gripe ultimately. But, you know, still something I think about. <laughs> I love that car kill, by the way. Uh, well, the kind of sort of kill. I guess it didn't actually turn out to be a kill. But yeah. I like that a lot. I thought I thought that was really like quick, quick witted and smart of her, like, you know, fast thinking. It's like, well, yeah, 
Uh, I'm just I, to me it, the one thing that kind of downplays that scene is the fact that for all the lore that we get about fire being supposedly as lethal as they are to vampires, they always seem to shrug it off and they come back just super crispy. Yeah, yeah, the near dark effect. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've just seen is that I, I'm kind of getting tired of that. You know, if fire supposedly as damaging as it is, actually show it to be lethal for once. Yeah, because it seems. Like almost every single time that happens, they you know they always seem to just manage to survive by the skin of their teeth. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's valid. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, yeah. you know, different vampire movies have different lore. You know, maybe in this one, fire is not as damaging. I mean, it's not like we actually got a specific line about it. Obviously, as part of as a yet another flashback, we do eventually see uh, Nadia. Um, torch uh the farmhouse where her husband was killed and where she in turn killed her attacker's father uh, another flashback that probably didn't really need to see but again that flashback was used to kind of show how quick thinking nadia is that you know i can't get into that car but i still created a little hole so let me see what i can find and you know as luck would have it she finds the bottle of liquor there um, it doesn't make sense that it's in that part of the plane, but you know, cause that wasn't storage. That was like cargo. So that was weird. You know what I mean? But whatever. Um, but I did like it. I liked how she's pouring it in. I liked the look on eight balls face as she's pouring the liquor into the car. Cause he's still mid transformation at that point. You know, mm-hmm. he's, yeah. he's not full vampire yet. And the look on his face, like, I don't know what to do. If I get out of the car, she's going to kill me before I transform or I can sit here and hope I survive the flames, which of course he went with B and as Don already mentioned, yes, he does survive his little, um, his fire attack ultimately because uh, a fire alarm goes off in the plane and then the uh, automatic sprinkler system turns on putting out the fire before eight ball can be, you know, decimated. So, but I still did enjoy that entire scene, the the fight leading up to it. um, And then even uh, with, when they go back to that part of the plane later in the movie, when Elias is hiding under the car and he's surrounded by multiple, you know, passenger vampires and then uh, eight ball comes down and almost he almost like shoes him away. Like this guy's he's only been a vampire for like 20 minutes, but he already was like acting like a leader. Like he walked in and basically made like a, a hand motion and every, they all left and left the boy to him. And and of course, not just shows up right after that. But it was yeah, interesting. You think mm-hmm. they are passengers, even though they're vampires that are still going to be pissed at him. <laughs> you would think that 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 was something I was surprised about, especially the little girl, uh, the little girl that they almost killed at the cockpit, the redhead girl. When she is turned, I totally expect her to attack a terrorist, even if the terrorist is a vampire. I fully expect her just because one of her last human memories was getting a gun pointed at her head with a three count going off. You know, yeah, so that's, like... <laughs> that's why I, I question that as far as characters go, because obviously the mom character is evidence enough that just cause you're a vampire, yes, you have to do bad things to survive, but you're not necessarily bad 24 yeah. seven. So when like just normal passengers got turned, I mean, maybe there's that like, uh, well, bloodthirsty have... instinct when you first turn that you sure. can't help it at first. But I was like, but shouldn't those passenger vampires still be pissed off at the terrorist yeah. vampires? I mean, well, that could have been. Uh-huh. Well, I'm saying that could have been what 
what eventually led into Venom's uh, wish for a vampire on vampire action. That could have been the start of it right there. Just because yeah. he turns, yeah, he turns the entire crew, but just because you know the rest of the just the you know the rest of the passengers are turned doesn't mean that they're not going to get any piss off because now they're all vampires. But you know, there's more of them versus the terrorists, so that yeah, would have been a lot more fun down there. Yeah, so, and that's what I was kind of expecting to happen almost because it's I was kind of expecting a situation where like. Uh, terrorist or at least the main crazy one gets in a situation where he messed up by like turning too many people that would be against him and then maybe that would have been his downfall yep. um, but, you know they didn't go that route yeah I mean there's multiple paths that they could have taken to get to the end of this film you know as far as whether they land successfully whether they you know potentially fly into the ocean but still a bunch of them survive blah 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 or the ending that we end up getting, which is, of course, um, Farid, as we mentioned earlier, with the help of uh, the control tower at the airport, is able to successfully land the plane. Unfortunately, earlier in the movie, that the, the real terrorists had Farid read a message in Arabic uh, that was recorded and sent to the authorities. So and, and he had to he had to speak his name. You know, he had to say, my name is Farid, blah, blah, blah. And and this was all in Arabic. So obviously, as soon as he lands, if he says my name is Farid over the the communication system, they're instantly, you know, all the authorities think that he's the terrorist, which is exactly what happens. They all think that he's the terrorist. Um, he does uh, lunge out of the cockpit t- farther towards the uh, body of the plane. He successfully is able to do that before the authorities start shooting. And then we basically see Elias back at the hospital or at the at the medical facility there at the airport, basically telling the authorities, you have to blow up the plane. You can't let them get out because it was nearing sunset. I forgot to mention that the sun was starting to go down, but they're all still inside this plane. And Elias is very aware what's going to happen as soon as the sun goes down. Um, unfortunately, um, uh, the colonel, Colonel Drummond, who is there running all the military um, operations, does not believe Elias, basically thinks that he's in shock. Of course, he sends in a team of soldiers into the plane who promptly get destroyed um, in what was actually kind of a funny scene. But, you know, that's kind of a guilty thing for me. I love seeing authority figures get fucked up. That's just me. Sorry. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, like I said, all the military guys get taken out, and then uh, we see Elias, we see Fareed being arrested, thankfully arrested, because, you know, half of me believes they would have just shot his ass on sight in real life. But yeah, they do actually arrest Fareed. At the same time, Elias is able to get out of the ambulance that's taking him off the, um, uh, away from the airport to the hospital. He's able to get out of the ambulance, run back towards the plane, and what does he see? What's the first thing he sees when he gets near the plane? His mother. He sees his mother eating one of the military, or, you know, sucking the blood of one of the military guys who just tried to get in the plane. They are outside of the plane, of course. Um, Elias calls out to his mother, but at this point, it looks like she's drank so much blood that she's just 100% feral. Like, she, she kind of, sort of, at first recognizes Elias when he calls out mom, but literally within a second or two, she starts charging him to attack. At that point, um, 
Elias pulls out a detonator that he had hidden in the teddy bear. That's a whole nother plot point that we totally glossed over. Uh, they do end up setting up a bomb inside the plane near the tank, the fuel tank. And uh, apparently Elias was able to sneak off the plane. As I mentioned earlier, they let him go. But he had put the detonator inside of a teddy bear. Again, see, smart kid. Smart in this scene, two scenes ago, he was an idiot. So, again, a little inconsistent with his intelligence. But like I said, he does pull out the detonator from the teddy bear, and he just blows the hell out of the plane, and the flames do engulf his mother. Even though she's outside of the plane uh, running down towards Elias, she's still close enough to the plane that the flames engulf her. Um like I said, I, I, I'm okay if she survived, but I'm just very glad that we don't get a stinger at the end. Like, that's literally the end of the movie. Plane blows up. They let Fareed go. They realize that he is not the terrorist. Um, and then he basically just embraces Elias, and that's our movie. And thankfully, that's our movie. No fucking stinger or post credit scene. So happy. It's the little yeah, things that and make no, me happy. No vampire arm like reaching out of the dirt or something. Like That's that. what I was waiting for. Oh, I was bubble. waiting for like a single vampire hand to come out of like the wreckage or something and then credits. Because at that point, the movie loses an entire fucking point. I don't care. I hate those endings. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. Like, other than the second babysitter movie, how. How frequent it? Because is this like a legit Netflix film? I know it says Netflix film on the box art. I think this is. A, I and, think this is a movie they they bought because this is a German production. Okay. Yeah. I'd have, I'd have to look up the production company because usually Netflix would be under distribution. Um, but I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm well, looking. they commissioned Army of the Dead, right? That one was theirs. I believe. Our, yeah, yeah. They financed that. Yeah, they yeah. paid Zack Snyder. Um, let's. Because I'm trying to think, like, out of actual Netflix-produced original films, not counting their TV shows, because that's a whole different format, but as far as movie goes, I know The Babysitter had a sequel, but I I can't think of a lot that get sequels, so maybe that's, maybe Netflix's model, too, is, like, to not try to avoid doing Well, I mean, also, the other thing, well, the other thing, too, the one thing that's kind of, uh, it's wagging its dick in its face in our faces. Uh, the Fear Street trilogy. <laughs> I mean, we just covered those. Yeah. So, uh, to answer your question, Mike, yes, this actually is a Netflix production, uh, co-production with Rat Pack Film Production. So I guess because nice. Rat Pack Film Production spelled with a K, so I'm assuming that's the German company that made it. And then it looks like because Netflix is under distributor and production, so yes, it is a Netflix film. Which means we won't get a physical release. God damn it. (laughs) Unless we import the German version. Yeah, good point. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's Blood Red Sky. As we said, fun movie. I mean, not a whole lot to gripe about, even though I did spend a good amount of my review talking about things I didn't like. Uh, Ultimately, still a really fun movie. I still rate it really highly. Um, like I said, I don't think I'm as high on it as Mike and um, Don, but I still really, really enjoyed it. Would highly recommend it and had a good time and will definitely watch it again. This isn't this won't be, a, you know, uh, something that I'll just forget about. I mean, I, I don't know that it's going to turn into an annual watch by any stretch, but um, yeah, I can see myself popping it in, you know, every couple of years, maybe just to check it out again, because ultimately, I mean, 
like I said, I, I kind of likened this a train to Busan earlier. You know, zombies on a train. This one is vampires on a plane. Obviously not executed nearly as well as Train to Busan by any stretch mm-hmm. of the imagination. So, yeah, don't get it twisted. But yeah. that vibe yeah. alone keeps me interested. So I think this is a fun kind of like watch with other people movie, like showing it to them for the first time. It's a, it's a relatively easy watch. There's not too much subtext going on there's nothing too heavy in it It, you know it's just a kind of turn off your brain once the action starts that's what you're getting type of movie oh yeah yeah pretty much um yeah i I don't have much else um that can be added to that uh i mean i came up you know earlier passenger 57 with vampires so (laughs) Uh, yeah 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 i mean yeah i I can't really add much more else to that, so. Nice. Yeah, pretty much. If you're kind of into the action horror variety, this is it. Yeah, yeah. Not a whole lot of forced comedy, no forced romances. I mean, just action, pretty much, you know, opening to close, you know, a few lulls here and there for some storytelling. But for the most part, you know, especially in the second and third act, you get plenty of action. So, yeah. Um yeah, still a fun movie, and you know, if you got Netflix, no reason not to watch it. Whether you're a vampire fan or just a horror fan in general, yeah, this this is still a fun watch. And I agree with Mike. Get some people together, have a good time, have some popcorn, eat some weed, smoke some popcorn, you know. <laughs> the huge. In that order. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, that's Blood Red Sky. Um, so before we get out of here, let's find out where else we can be heard. Venom, what do you got? Uh, not a whole lot, um, but I do have one extra thing. But uh, just to start from the top, of course, the main show, No More Room in Hell. We did recently record episode 35. We looked at a couple of – whose picks were these? These were Derek's, right? No, these were yours. Yeah, like, my picks. They were your mm-hmm. picks. That's right. And we basically, uh, because a few months ago we did a we did an episode on uh, films that may have been inspired by the Evil Dead. Uh, Mike decided to do kind of the sequel to that, and we did films that may have inspired uh, Sam Raimi to make the Evil Dead. So of course we looked at the one obvious choice, which is 1970s Equinox. But then we also looked at. Um, oh, I forgot the year. 1977, I believe. Hausu from Japan, also known as House. I always call it Hausu because I also love the William Cat American horror film House. So that's just how I uh, differentiate them for myself. But yeah, fun episode. You know, obviously you've got uh, three Evil Dead lovers on the show. So yeah, the uh, the inspirations are very obvious at times. So that episode should be out. What? within days right mike yeah i actually should probably have it ready to go tonight so depending on how it turns out with the network it could be like a simultaneous release with this or maybe a day apart just depending there you go so yeah that's episode 35 of no more room in hell uh, and then the only other thing that I recorded in the last week was we finally got back together for It's Not Horror Okay after a two-month hiatus. Um, the NBA playoffs are over. The NHL playoffs are over. We're finally and, – and the school year is starting up soon because um, one of the people uh, – one of our hosts, Heather um, Heather Powell – 
on that show. It, her her summers are very busy. She's an educator. You would think her summers wouldn't be that busy, but she actually says her summers are busier than uh, her her school year time. So um, that, along with other factors, kind of kept us out of the loop for two months. But we are back. The episode is out currently, just dropped yesterday. And we looked at the 2000 Christopher Guest classic Best in Show. Originally, I had picked that movie because we were supposed to record it at the beginning of June, which would have lined up with the 145th edition of the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. Unfortunately, because of all the delays, eh, it didn't make as much sense, but it's still such a spectacular movie. Who needs a reason to watch Best in Show? So probably one of the best, if not the most fun I've ever had on a movie commentary. So like I said, check that out on the Dark Discussions Podcast Network. Uh, you can also hear Don and myself. I know we mentioned it last week, but it's still fairly new, so I'm going to mention it again. Don and myself were on the latest episode of Cinema Attack with our friend Derek B. And we looked at a, after doing two Bruno Matai movies on episode 34 of No More Room in Hell, we figured let's keep the fun going. And we did two of his cannibal movies for Cinema Attack. That is. 2004's In the Land of the Cannibals and Mondo Cannibal. So check that out. I'm pretty sure that episode is either out or will drop very soon. It's already out. It's already out. There you go. So, yeah, uh, yeah. and all of that is available on darkdiscussions.com. That's it from me, Mike. All right, cool. Uh, Don, you got anything? Other than the uh, Cinema Attack show, nothing else. Okay. Um, well, as far as I go, yeah, it's pretty much it for me. Just the regular stuff that I co-host. Um, I do have um, an adjudicator segment coming up for Summer Series 2019 is the year. Um, so, I mean, obviously the big question is, will I or won't I swap out the number three pick for something else? <laughs> I'm actually still kind of like debating on it because I I don't think the number three movie is a bad movie. Um, I don't want to say names of movies or anything for people that don't want any spoilers. No. So, I'll, yeah, I'll just say that, like, I feel that the number three movie is worthy to be there. But 2019 is one of those years where there's yeah. enough movies you could justify up there that it's a close call for me. So that's all I'll say. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know the movie that you're talking about. I'm not going to say it, obviously, but um, the movie that we're talking about, I absolutely adore. But I, as much as I love that film, I couldn't put that in the top three, not for 2019. There were so many incredible releases that year. I mean, I think that particular movie that we're talking about ended up at like number five or six for my end of the year top ten list. So, you know, I I can't really look at it as a top three as much as I love it, as much as I even it's probably the one movie next to Midsommar that I watch the most from 2019. You know, Um, I probably watched that like four or five times now, the the movie in question. Um, But, yeah, I I totally agree with you. I I don't. it's it's almost a travesty for me to say it doesn't deserve number three, but I got to go with my heart and I don't think it does, but luckily I'm not on 2019. <laughs> so my opinion doesn't mean shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's funny. Cause it's like when you, when you get um your random drawing for what you're, you're adjudicating, it's like you look at them and you're like, 
do I want do I want to be assigned to a year with so many that's so top heavy because it almost makes it harder to decide what to do um, with what ends up number three where other years you're like if I was assigned to those it'd be like oh no doubt I'm either keeping it or swapping it but 2019 is a little difficult um, either way I'll definitely have to like bring my justifications for whatever my move ends up being but yeah that that should be fun and those have actually started just started dropping I think 2010 currently is the one that's actually out like the full yep. mm-hmm. the full shebang so if anyone's looking forward to summer series which i'm <laughs> yeah. sure you are if check anybody's that looking out. for 60 hours of content to listen to over the next month check it out <laughs> yeah it has started rolling out <laughs> exactly um as far as we go i can't remember i i know we briefly had a discussion is there a theatrical horror coming this week uh no uh this week's suicide squad i i remember oh, august 6th God. for suicide squad not that i even care all that much it's just i think it's the only thing coming out there might be something indie coming out in la i think i saw something there there is and i think it's here too the problem is i mean it might be different for you because you usually are going to get more showings it's i can't remember the name of the movie but it's like a time stamp is like the name of the movie and it's about some couple that go vacation on like it looks like a little sleepy coastal town and they get there and like they're other than the the guy that kind of checks them into the bed and breakfast there's like nobody in this little town that's kind of like the setup obviously and he explains like oh something bad happened here it actually does look interesting the problem is i believe at least my city's only getting like a single showing on august 6th so it's oh, like is I that the Fathom? There. Is that the Fathom movie that we saw the trailer for before Green Knight? Because that uh, is only Green Knight. Yeah, you're be, right. Yeah, because I've seen that. I actually got that trailer like the last two or three movies I've gone to the theater to see. Mm-hmm. So, like, if if it had more availability, like if it wasn't just that one night. Yeah. And I knew for sure I could get out to the theater to see it. I would be totally down to do it. I just don't know if I can swing that specific showing. Um, yeah. yeah if, if it is a Fathom event, that's usually like a one night, one showing, right? Exactly. And they're not always great, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, the last few one night events I've gone to have not. I mean, three. Uh, what was it? Uh, the, the third House of, the, of a Thousand Corpses movie, Three from Hell. Three from Hell was probably the best of these one night events. And even that was just, in my opinion, okay. I know a lot of people praise, you know, they absolutely love Rob Zombie. Good for you. Um, I love Devil's Rejects. I think it's his masterpiece. But Three from Hell, um, for me, was just okay. And that, like I said, that's probably the best one night event I've ever gone to. Because I went to Jeepers Creepers 3. That was a one night event. Um, The one with Lynn Shea, I forgot the name of it. Oh, Room for Rent, I think was the name of it. Yeah, and that wasn't very good. Um, The Barbara Crampton movie Sacrifice was a one-night event that I saw last year, and it's just okay. So, yeah, those one-night events, I mean, there's probably a reason that they're one-night events because they can't release them live. 
It's but basically still, them like talking the theater into like give us one showing. <laughs> or talking fathom into it ultimately because yeah, yeah they're, they're usually fathom events. I had Jeepers Creepers was not, but usually these one night events are fathom events. So, but yeah, I do remember the trailer, and I even remember thinking because unfortunately, yeah, I saw it before Green Night. I had forgotten to bring my earbuds with me, so yeah, I ended up seeing the trailer, and it did look mildly interesting. So I, I yeah, doubt, but see, I want to say last year that mandy what was mandy last year or 2019 uh 19 okay uh, i want to say was that a, was that a fathom event too or did you just happen to have limited oh not for me showings? no it, it was showing out here in multiple theaters not, okay. not the big movie not the big theaters but in the art house theaters yeah there was like two theaters showing it for uh, a maybe week. it was maybe it was color out of space i don't know i thought i thought one of them for me had like the, and that doesn't even necessarily mean it was a Fathom event, because sometimes I think, outside yeah. of Fathom events, it's similar where it's just one showing. I think you're right about, I think it was Color Out of Space. Okay. I'm almost positive that that played at the AMC for one night, and that's where I saw it. Mm. But, All right. We'll see. Okay. But the next three weeks after that are pretty much booked solid. We've got Don't yeah. Breathe 2 on April 12th. We've got... Um, what else we got? We've got we've got the Night House Candyman on August nineteenth. We've got Candyman on August twenty fifth. You're ahead of me. Um, and then is that the only one? Oh, and then we got Malignant. So we've four weeks in a row. We've got theatrical horror. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and I'm hearing a lot of great things about Nighthouse, even though, you know, I haven't watched the trailer, but I, I've just random like blurps that I've heard online. Seems like the people that have seen advanced screenings are really praising it. So, yeah, I haven't watched the trailer. I I've only seen like, you know, sometimes when you get like the the autoplay ads for stuff sure. where like you're scrolling by and it starts playing and then I'm like, oh, what's this? Oh, Nighthouse. OK, I'll just keep scrolling by because, <laughs> you know, the, the few seconds I saw of it is enough for me to be like, okay, I want to see it. Now I don't need to really see it anymore. <laughs> yeah. And no, I'm still not anti-trail. It's just sometimes I don't really seek them out necessarily. It's, it just, I mean, it if just it's a movie you know you're going to watch, I, I don't see the allure. But I understand yeah. that, especially with, like I mentioned earlier, when Halloween Kills came out, everybody was talking about the trailer. I understand wanting to be part of the conversation, but... Ultimately, I'd rather be surprised than be part of the conversation six months earlier. What do you do if the trailer's in the theater? You just try to show up oh, after no, I they bring start? My I, I usually bring uh, my earbuds okay. and I'll play like something obnoxiously loud, some Fear Factory, <laughs> Cannibal Corp, something like that. And I'll look down. I'll play like a game on my phone while looking down and with the earbuds on. So yeah, the, uh, when I went to see The Green Knight this weekend, I had forgotten them. That's why I ended up seeing the uh, trailer for that Fathom event. But yeah, uh, nine times out of ten, I have my my AirPods with me. Did you get a trailer for Lamb? Please tell me you did. Oh uh, yeah, I did. Yes. The A24's Lamb. Yep. That looks nuts. That looks uh, interesting. Definitely. It, yeah. It, it, it's kind of confusing me whether it's like going for dark comedy or if it's going to take a horror A24. twist. But I'm kind of interested. A24 trailers. I don't. I don't want to say that they're purposely misleading, but the way that A24 cuts their trailers. They definitely make some of their movies seem like something it's not. Like, even the Dark Knight trailer looks somewhat dark. I watched it after I got home, and I'm like, yeah, I could see why people would think it's a horror movie when watching that trailer. But 
like I said, I was familiar with the story, which was why I was questioning whether it was going to be a horror movie or not. Uh, it is a story that could easily be turned into horror, but mm-hmm. they did not. So <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> oh man. Yep. All right. That was our little bonus discussion, I guess, post movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that said, thanks everyone for listening. We should be back next week, probably with another BOD selection. And after that, we're going to be doing theatrical for a good month. So we will catch you then. Say bye to listeners, guys. I'm sick of these motherfucking vampires on this motherfucking plane. Good night. Auf Wiedersehen. Peace.